0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on another cloudy day here in the capital city as once again we put the topic of leadership under the spotlight. My name is Scott Challoner and I'm delighted to be joined on today's programme by Andrew O'Reilly. Andrew is the Group Operations Director at Family Care Group, a care provider running homes across the UK which offer care for vulnerable people. Andrew, very warm welcome to you and thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us today. Uh,
1: Hi, Scott. It's a pleasure. Nice to speak with you.
0: It's a real pleasure having you on the air with us as well, Andrew. Now, um, the purpose of this discussion is to really establish your take on leadership as a whole. And I think it's fair to say that leadership is something that's really been put to the test at the moment, isn't it? With the emergence (laughs) of COVID-19, no less, and different business leaders, government leaders, having to really feel their way through what is an uncharted, unprecedented crisis. Tell me, for somebody... Working in the care industry, such as yourself, how has it been trying to navigate the last few weeks and months? Because can I can imagine the challenges have been substantial.
1: Well, they have been substantial. You know, we look after looked after children, we care and educate uh, vulnerable young people. So it has been a challenge, and of course the biggest challenge was for us was our children's homes and making sure that they remain fully staffed. You know, these these children... Uh, it's their homes, uh, you know. If p- people fall down sick, um, and of course, when it started, we didn't know what sort of impact it would have across our services. So um, we had to quickly sit down and uh, and draw up a plan.
0: Mm. So it's been very sort of a. Um, a- Sort of need not, not necessarily a knee reaction, but you've had to be really reactive as well as proactive um, in dealing with this because guidelines and circumstances have changed quite a lot by the day, almost, especially with changing government yeah. guidelines. So it's yeah. really tested the ability of, of course, those in the care industry, especially to be really flexible.
1: It has, it has, um, and I think flexibility is the key word. What was pleasing to see from all our staff, uh, and particularly those across residential and education, who who we were working with on the front line, that you know we had managers saying, "Well, I'll bring a bag into work and I'll just live here until you know." Managers and staff saying that uh, until um, it gets better, if, if we need to. So, I think because we're an organisation that that cares for uh, and uh, on the hearts and minds of its staff. Uh, it, they were repaying us and have repaid us handsomely. Uh, and I'm very pleased to say that we've had very, very few people. We've got, a, you know, 110 employees. We've had very few people who've been off ill at all, yeah. a few Hatch of Shield. Um, but, um, yeah, so far, so good.
0: And how would you say that those staff members have applied themselves during this period? And the reason I ask that is because we've heard some incredible stories of people who've really gone above yeah. and beyond during this time and used adversity to really bring out the best in themselves.
1: Well, it does, and people, um, you know, as I say, have stood up to the plate and, uh, you know, been saying, "Look, we, we will, we will come and live here." What has what has disappointed me somewhat in in the media is um, there's been a real focus on, and rightly so, I understand, on uh, elderly care and adult care, uh, but very not very much said about um, children and children who are being cared for in a variety of settings. Mm. And know these residential workers. Are uh, heroes themselves. They've been getting up every day and driving to work, uh, cycling to work, whatever by whatever means, and going and working with. At times, some young. We must remember that a number of the young people that we work with and the providers and local authorities across the country who run children's homes work with uh, these very traumatized children, and and saying, "Don't go out." doesn't wash, for some of them, they don't get it. So they'll still go out and then they're coming back into the home and um, who knows who they've been in contact with. Now, you know, we've had to risk assess that and plan our response to that and each home has done that. Uh, But, you know, all the children are individuals, so it's a a different plan per home uh, depending on the the behaviours of some of the children that we have to work with, some of which can be extreme. So um, they've done that and they've managed their way through it. Staff have been diligent personally as well in terms of after work, where do they go, what do they do, who do they see. They've been extremely mindful of that. And I think that's why we've seen extremely low uh, sickness across the whole um, group.
0: And what do you think is going to be the future for your line of work? Because there's been a renewed focus on the fact that, with everybody having to stay at home during the lockdown, there's been an increase in safeguarding issues, especially among vulnerable children, and that could mean a real spike in demand for services such as yours.
1: Absolutely. Well, and we keep obviously we keep referral statistics, and um, I now think I think it's for the month of. Inside April May, we had um, about nine hundred, just over nine hundred residential referrals. Seven hundred, just over seven hundred of which were re-referrals, not new referrals. So there's a lot of children bouncing out there and not being local authorities not being able to find placements. But I do suspect um, once things settle down, uh, there might be a tsunami. Of referrals that come in, and uh, you know, local authorities uh, are already struggling to find appropriate placements for their their, their children. Um, so the demand is going to be extreme, I suspect.
0: Mm, Certainly going to be an interesting uh, time. And um, we talked um, a little bit about sort of how you've been inspired, if you will, by uh, the response um, of those um, around you. And if we backtrack um, a little bit, um, Andrew, um, what would you Mm -hmm. say, just sort of shifting focus for a second, um, have been some of the big influences and inspirations on you in the work that you do?
1: Well, a few, I think. Um, uh, I, I started my career 37 years ago in social care. Um, and I've been lucky enough to work with a a number of people who've inspired me and kept me within social care. Um, But, but equally, I've worked with some really poor managers who've helped me become a better—I think—a better leader. Um, and I think you need that experience of of good and bad leadership to, you know, when you come across bad leadership, you think, "Well, I'm not going to do it like that if I ever get in that sort of position." So, a variety of people have certainly inspired me. But particularly in my field of work, you know, having um, experience of meeting with um, therapeutic practitioners who help you understand the life journey that these very traumatised at times young people have been on from well from womb to to now when you're working with them and you know without understanding um the impact uh their early lives have had on them and their behavior and the way they they um they react to certain things without understanding that it's very difficult to keep working with them and um and managing teams who are working with traumatized children it's not not easy it, you know there's easy ways of earning a living and um and i th- i certainly think you need to um You need to help educate people and bring people on. Mm. And and so, so yes, I've had a variety of uh, of people in my life that helped me bring me to this point and, um, and uh, we keep going.
0: Interestingly, um, there's, even though we say that leadership and management sometimes are fundamentally separate things, I think there is a degree of people management that has to come into leadership. It's incredibly Mm. important for communication purposes because it's about a team as much as it is about a leader. And, working in social care as you do this is a whole new dimension of people management isn't it working with children who have been traumatized and have gone through some real struggles as you said and i think that those struggles are only going to be exacerbated by the covid pandemic aren't they and the fact that they're now isolated these people
1: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, they haven't been able to see the family members. So although they may be in care, they're still seeing the family members. And, you know, the, the, the aim is to get these young people wherever possible back to, to their families. So yeah, it has, has been difficult. And, and young people also, we all need routine and routines mm-hmm. have been knocked sideways. You know, schools closed, parks closed, cinemas closed, McDonald's closed. <laughs> Uh, For children, um, it's been extremely unsettling unsettling for for any child, but for a young person that's uh, had a, a very difficult start to life, um it's an an extremely uh, unsettling and challenging time for them and for the people yeah for the people caring for them to try and talk and keep talking through the dangers uh and I have to say, I must say again, going back to i think they've done an amazing job and um we've had very few young people who have gone out and about to, um without any cares in the world. And even those young people have really understood the need to come in, change their clothes, have a shower, wash their hands uh, and all of that and um, and be careful. So, so yes, it is a difficult time. As I say, the routines of these young people have been knocked sideways and routine is so important. Um, a lot of these young people before they came to us, so certainly in their early lives, um, there was no routine for them, which know, it's extremely unsettling. So to get that routine and that structure around them is so important. And then suddenly, you know, something like this pandemic hits, and no school, and uh, as I said, the thing is closed. It's um, it's been extremely confusing. I mean, let's face it, it's been hard enough for all those adults. Uh, well, it's been extremely difficult for for young people. And we also work with young people with learning disabilities. For whom a routine is is extremely important, and again, that's that's not not the young people sideways as well. We've had to put routines within the homes and um, to help uh, to help them come to terms with the situation. But as I say, fortunately, within family care, we have um, we have inspirational leaders across the group, and we we've got we're very fortunate, I think, to have some of the best carers uh, across the sector. <laughs>
0: And just to touch on the importance of routine here, um, we've heard this week, just for the benefit of those tuning in, uh, we are recording this on uh, the 10th of June, 2020. So it's recently been announced that um, outdoor attractions such as zoos, safari parks, outdoor cinemas are going to be reopening from Monday, the 15th of June. And we'll also be seeing non-essential shops opening at that time as well. However, plans to reopen schools, the government seems Mm -hmm. to have U-turned on that. And it's now not going to be opening all primary school years up by um, four weeks before the summer holidays and the the vast majority of years may not be going back until September at the earliest according to Health Secretary Matt Hancock. That Andrew that's going to have an impact as well isn't it with the routine side of things?
1: It is. I mean my my wife works at the primary school and um, they're back now but um, it's a very strange situation and um, you've got people who are concerned but again yes for our uh, young people um, I'm pleased to say our school, uh, uh, our schools are open and we're available for the young people. So mm-hmm. those, for those children who, who can't attend mainstream school, our special schools are open. Um, but yeah, for the other children who are attending mainstream school and for all the children might say, Oh, I don't want to go to school. Um, they're really missing seeing their friends and again, that routine of going to school. So yes, I mean, if it pushes on to September, which I, I fear it might. Um, it is going to be a difficult time.
0: It certainly is. And if we do think about what that sort of next sort of 12 months holds for yourself and uh, for um, the um, family care group as a whole, Andrew, what do you hope to really achieve in that time as we move through the COVID-19 situation, hopefully, and begin to look to the long-term future under the new normal?
1: Well, uh, this year was, was meant to be a year of growth for family care. We've spent the last five or six years um, stabilizing certain areas that we feel we needed to work on and strengthen, and we've done that and, and we had a few projects that we were talking to local authorities about, which have just had to go on hold um uh, which has been disappointing um because growth is important for employment et cetera um but i'm pleased to say once things calm down, um those options are still there for us, and uh, we will be pursuing growth uh we're a we 're a, a social care provider who wants to have um, realistic growth uh, across all of its services. So we, we've we recently communicated our 10-year vision uh, to all of our staff um, and our carers. And uh, we'll, we'll be uh, starting the journey on that point. We've already started. We're about to rebrand very soon. And um, we've already started that journey. So um, we haven't stood still during this. And I have to say, it, it will change the way we work uh, this period of time. I think what we've seen in, in family care is the value of a work-life balance. And, you know, I think eight hours a day is enough. Uh, you, you shouldn't be expected to work 10, 11, 12, 13 hours. Um, if you're office-based, etc. um, you need, you need, you need a break you need to spend time with your family. And, um, I certainly felt that myself. I'm usually out and about staying in hotels and up and down the country. Um, so, I think we'll be embracing technology as well as we move forward. You know, I hold group operations meetings um, every Monday and uh, via Zoom, and they've worked extremely well. Um, in the past, we'd be asking people to drive up our head offices uh, uh, near near Preston. Uh, we'd be asking people to drive up from all corners of the company um, for a meeting that might last three hours. Well, now we're... We'll be able to to meet with people uh, currently in their own homes, but eventually in their workplaces. And um, it's a more efficient and lean way of working. Um, I think it benefits everybody instead of being on the M6 or whichever road it might be, um, stressed out with the traffic and late for meetings. Um, I think more of that, really. So it's been, in some ways, a good learning curve for family care. and And certainly this period of time will influence how we take the
0: the company forward. It's going to be really interesting to see sort of uh, how um, the group does move forward during that time and what sort of um, initiatives you're going to be involved in when referrals inevitably Mm -hmm. start to climb and you know Andrew um, once we start to understand in the next few months exactly what the shape of the new normal is likely to be and we sort of see how um, the company is being impacted as well I think it would be great to actually catch up and have you back on the programme just to discuss how things are getting on.
1: That would be great I'd look forward to that.
0: I think it would be incredibly informative, not just for myself, but also from a listener's point of view, given how insightful it's been having you join us today. And also, Andrew, it's been a real pleasure having you um, on the air with us. So thank you again uh, for the time taken to join us. And most importantly, until we do speak again, do take care and do stay safe with all still going on, because we're certainly not out of the woods with this yet.
1: No, we're certainly not. And uh, yes, thank you for the opportunity, Scott. I've enjoyed speaking with you. And yes, stay safe and take care.
0: Absolutely and um, for those tuning into this as well do stay home where you can do take care and do stay safe because it really does make a difference in saving lives I was just speaking there to Andrew O'Reilly the Group Operations Director at Family Care Group and coming up next on the programme today I'll be handing the mic over to Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with Sir Andrew Strauss Sir Andrew, a former England cricket skipper is currently the Director of Cricket for the England and Wales Cricket Board however, during his days as captain he joined an illustrious club of just three Captains to have secured the ashes both at home and away in Australia. He also racked up the second highest number of Test victories for an England skipper in history during his time with the armband. Quite incredible. I hope you enjoy listening just as much as Jonathan enjoyed speaking with Sir Andrew, and that is coming up next.
2: Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan White, and today we are joined by Sir Andrew Strauss, former captain of the England cricket team and former director of cricket at the see your name being put up on the Lord's honour board after your first appearance?
3: Yeah, look, I'd just been transported to a completely different world almost. I'd been, I had been—I was a Middlesex player, I was mm. captain of Middlesex, all my focus was on helping Middlesex sort of win the championship and whatever and then a week later I've scored a test century which is something I'd always dreamed out you know, literally all my life. The World Cup final was quite extraordinary.
2: I know some fantastically avid cricket fans who were googling there and then what exactly the rules became because I yeah well so was (laughs) I I (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. Um, Now, and you in your in your wife's memory, you established the Ruth Strauss Foundation last year. Uh, In doing so, whether you'd admit it or not, yourself and the foundation has become an inspiration to thousands husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, sons and daughters. Please do take some time, if you wouldn't mind, and you
3: in the English summer, uh, just like the McGrath Foundation days yes. in, in Sydney and Australia. Well, it's been a
2: complete inspiration, um, and uh, I'm very much sure we can talk about that perhaps late in a few months as well. Absolutely. Um, before we go, as I'm conscious of the time. we uh, It's also an exciting year for domestic cricket, um, not least uh, because of the introduction of The 100, not without its critics, mm-hmm. I should. Andrew, I know you're uh, a big proponent of it. Um, the Blast has clearly shown... Um,